Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Why, hello there, guys and gals. Welcome to another edition of the Business Chef Podcast with your host, Chef Sean Boucher. How is it going out there? It's going pretty good over here. We've got a good man talking to us today, Mr. Harris Ader. Harris has been in senior dining for a long time. He's actually the founder of the Senior Dining Association, which is kind of a big deal because senior dining is actually a big deal. I know a lot of you down there might be looking down on it, but you might think differently after we talk to Mr. Ader. Well, I've been in the senior living industry for almost 20, a little over 20 years. And uh, I was originally a, a chef, and I, one of my friends, his father, contacted me and said, hey, are you interested? I need some help. Um, I have a couple of retirement communities, one's in Naples, one's being built in West Palm Beach. Are you interested in uh, checking it out? My chef just quit, and we have some growth going on. I need some help. And I didn't sound so, you know, didn't really sound very sexy to me. So it was a big hesitation. But he encouraged me to take a, a ride with him and check out the community. Uh, once we uh, hit the community and, you know, after our discussions in the car, we had a nice hour and a half long ride, and I actually saw the community, I was floored. I just fell in love. How can something that's so elegant and so beautiful have such a misperception? So when I first walked into this community for the first time, it was marble floors, chandeliers. It was, it, it was all to the nines. It was just like walking into any other luxury resort. The dining room uh, back then had nice charger plates, beautiful silverware, elegantly dressed, and it was just beautiful. And my whole perception going to the location, going to the community, was I'm going to be serving mashed potatoes and pureed food. It wasn't like that at all. And that's how I started in my career. It, it was a love at first sight. As a corporate executive chef, I helped also. You know, we had other communities under construction. So that's where I started with my uh, learning how to read blueprints and plans and Shopping, it was just an exciting opportunity. Um, and then from there on, I went uh, as a director, chef director. I worked for self-op. I worked for contract companies. I actually worked all around the country in different locations. And I was fortunate enough to work in all different types of communities. I worked for nonprofits, for-profits, high-end, uh, middle-of-the-road um lower cost communities as well, um, kosher communities, campuses, 
um, suburban communities in the city in Philadelphia. I, I was, uh, I had definitely had a broad career. Previous to being the uh, founder of the Senior Dining Association, I worked for the senior living communities, um, which was based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, which had 14 uh, CCRCs in their portfolio, and uh, I was uh, managing them. So that was basically my uh, my path, my uh, my history towards being uh, uh, the founder of the Senior Dining Association. So, given your experience, your vast, vast amount of experience in senior dining and every segment of the senior dining kind of world, you know, you've got you've got quite a diverse background and you've got a lot of experience and a lot of things that you've done that make you uniquely qualified for founding an organization such as the senior dining association. So talk a little bit about that. How did that come to be? How did you, how did you found this organization and what's this organization all about? The idea came from, a need of looking for trends, best practices, resources for my team. When I was a VP of Dining Services several years ago, I always tried to stay on the cutting edge. Um, we, would, we were designing new communities with new kitchens and new dining rooms. And I was having a problem with looking for resources for myself, looking for resources for my team. I would go to industry uh, trade um, association conferences. I would go to food industry conferences. And there was nothing specific out there for senior dining. Now, we're a different breed. We used to be lumped in with healthcare, um, which was very common for the industry, the food service industry that put us in. But we're not. We're a different breed. So uh, a year and a half ago, I was at a conference, and I was sitting down at a session and looking around, and there was quite a few directors, chefs from other senior living organizations in the same uh, education track I was in. And I was, you know, I watched them, and I saw them disinterested, as so was I. They were a little bored, and so was I. And I just started on my phone, coming up with the idea. How can I make this better? How can I make this for us? And I couldn't stop. I kept on going on my phone. What can we do? A little bit down the line, I spoke to some industry professionals in the food service industry, some industry professionals in the senior living side, and uh, a few months after that, uh, started working on the uh, association. We went public. And that doesn't mean IPO. We announced the start of the association November of last year, November 2017. Uh, we launched the, the official launch of the association was March 1st, 2018. And as of today, we have uh, 335 members with us. And our first conference and expo coming up March 17th to the 20th in Charlotte, North Carolina. What we're about is educating, bringing industry 
best practices and trends out to our members and to the whole industry. We're educating people on operations, and not just the chefs and the directors, but also the executive directors who run the building as well. With more knowledge, it's better for them to uh, help manage their dining programs. So we believe in also educating the food service industry professionals who sell to the senior dining um, outlets. Why? Because there was a misconception there also on what we were doing. And uh, the senior dining, uh, the sales representatives from the manufacturers also weren't 100% on uh, task on where we have evolved as an industry for senior dining. So the basics roots is about um, education, sharing practices, our awards and recognition program. Finally, you know, you know, the movie makers have their Oscars, and you know, we have our way of showing appreciation to our peers now. Uh, through our awards and recognition program for dining, because dining is the biggest differentiator in the senior living in the senior housing market there is. We also um, have a career center, SeniorDiningCareers.com. Part of our mission is to connect people from the hospitality industry to the senior living industry. We want to show as a forefront what really you can do with that culinary degree that you went to school with, the great types of cooking that are not the same all day long, every single day. There's a huge difference people don't realize. People can get bored making the same thing over and over again. In the senior living community, your menu changes daily. Of course you're going to have the same items on um, day to day, some of the same items, but the majority of your menu changes. That's exciting for chefs and for directors to have that sense of change all the time. It does make it more exciting. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help the industry and bring it together. You know, senior dining has come a long way. It really has. It's, you know, the the uh, perception I think that a lot of people have of senior dining is probably exactly what you described the the impression that you had going into that segment of the industry or going into your first job that it's it's purees it's bland it's not exciting you're cooking for old people you know just a lot of things that I've heard over the years that just are really not true um and maybe it's because the older I get, the <laughs> the more my perception changes on on things, and things become much more relative. But I I really think that there's a huge opportunity in senior dining because senior dining is not getting any smaller. In fact, with the baby boomers kind of reaching their peak in another year or two, we're only going to see increased senior dining facilities and because we're going to see increased facilities we're going to see an increased need for experienced and passionate culinarians in this segment of the industry so with that said one of my perceptions of senior dining or one of the advantages to it is that we have the opportunity to really capitalize on another growing trend and that is an aging culinary workforce that 
maybe isn't looking for the stages in the Michelin star restaurants, but is looking for the benefits of a long, illustrious culinary career to where they can move into more of a quality of life and have more benefits and, and kind of that balance. Um, I don't know. What's, what's your perception on that? Is that a true statement? That is. When you, when you look at it, um, when you look at healthcare, and I look at healthcare as when I go to the doctor. When I go to the doctor, they take care of me. If I have to go to the hospital, you know, medical professionals take care of me. Um, that's healthcare. When you look at food and you look at dining and you look at the, the, the perception, what you were saying, and the evolution, well, we evolved, and it wasn't too long ago, um, from nursing homes, which were senior living, that was senior dining back there, where people were eating in their rooms. And we're talking 30, 40 years ago, the evolution of the senior uh, living industry, the senior housing industry. So they had nursing homes where people eat in their rooms. Then the, the goal was to get people in dining rooms. But it was still, you know, very off the tray line. It was scoops and there was no care. Now when you look at the evolution, you go further down and you say, you know, is it, you know, like a, doing a five-star restaurant? It's like doing having many, it's like having a hotel with many different outlets that people can choose from or a cruise ship type model where if you have long-term care and you need a certain diet or a certain texture, well, people, we can do it now with dignity and there are certain ways you can have a puree that doesn't look like a lump of ice cream or a lump of mashed potatoes. There's destination dining now where you have high-end restaurants that are in, in some uh, communities that, you know, they theme it for a month as a steakhouse or Italian restaurant. Um, there's so many different opportunities out there with marketplaces. Um, it's amazing what has evolved over the years. But if you look at the healthcare aspect where people needed certain diets and texture modifications, it was just a lack of education on how to do those um, those different textures where it looks more appealing to uh, the guests and the residents that live there. That's the biggest difference. So when we talk about senior dining, you know, we're we're talking about facilities and opportunities that that are again only going to increase and i think it's important for people to know what what did that what does that look like what is when i say growth and i talk about it being a big opportunity and a lot of things going on out there help help our listeners understand what I'm talking about. Let's talk about some numbers. Like what kind of growth are we looking at when it comes to, to senior dining? When you talk about growth of the industry, you know, it's the, it's everyone's talking about the baby boomers. When are the baby boomers coming? That's the biggest growth that's coming up is a hit of baby boomers. The industry right now is getting ready for that growth. The, the, the funny thing is we're building, 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 and the growth's going to hit within five or six years when those baby boomers are really in their 80s, their mid-80s, because most of the market right now is in their mid-80s. So you're looking by 2020, and that's only 
a year and a couple of months from now, there's going to be 2.6 million uh, additional residents. Our labor growth, the labor growth right now, outpaces the national job average of 3.7%. So you're looking at tons of new jobs. And when you look at, you know, the amount of jobs that's going to be there for just senior dining, you're looking at also, it's not just the new jobs that are being created, which is probably a third. If you look at 900,000 as a rough estimate, a third of them is probably new jobs, but the other two-thirds, it's going to be the turnover and the retention process, keeping those other people within the industry. So the growth is going to keep on going and going and going. It's there, and it's going to, it's going to keep on hitting that spike. But it's, it's, you know, keeping the people within is going to be the, the challenge, and that's the challenge right now for the operators. It's keeping people and retaining those people. That's what we're here to do. Okay. So here's a question. So say I listen to this podcast or say I I have a conversation or I recognize the opportunity in senior dining and I say, okay, as a chef, as a food service professional, I am going to capitalize on this trend and I am going to get involved and I'm going to be able to grow as the industry continues to grow and I'm going to be able to move my myself up the ranks and, and really be able to capture an opportunity early on because I'm going to be ahead of the trend. I'm going to have the experience that these places are, are looking for. What, what does senior dining look for? So what kind of experience or expertise or, or degrees or whatever do, do these facilities want or need or look for in potential applicants? I mean, when you look at the chef position, the director of dining services position, um, do you have to have experience in senior dining? No. One of the advantages, um, if a chef comes from a hotel background, I've always been successful, and that was my past also as well. But when I worked in the Northeast and all around the country, Hiring chefs with hotel backgrounds have been very successful. Why? Hotels have many, you know, um, points of service, just like a senior living community. So that, you know, that chef understands timing, which is huge. So coming from that hotel background, um, sometimes a country club background, that helps as well. Now, food service professional now, they can both come from hotels. Um, even casino, it's having that that country club that experience uh, you have with one multiple outlet, two also that standing guest. When you're in a senior living community, um, everyone's the same every day. You have the same guest, same guest, same guest. So it's you know it's important to know how to interact and to also resolve uh, problems or issues or opportunities within those guests. Now, if you're, a, if you're a cook or a rising sous chef and you come from um, those backgrounds, that would help you as well. Um, obviously, going to culinary school will help and get an education. But even from the restaurant, when you're, when you're looking at, if you're a rising sous chef and you want to learn and you, you want to start a new career and 
really educate. It's being open-minded and, you know, going and seeing what they're offering. I think the one thing that people have to realize for the sous chefs and those other graduating professionals, the training. You have to look at the training program in order to be successful. The difference is, and this is why we're here to support, the Senior Dining Association is here to support. When restaurant professionals and industry professionals go into a restaurant or a country club or a hotel, it's all about the food. It's, they're singularly focused on growth in the food. Senior living has, we, run, we have the food, but we also have maintenance. We also have marketing. There's a lot of things going on. It's really important um, that a good onboarding process is in place so you are geared up for success. You can have the great, greatest people, but you don't, have, you don't have the greatest training and the greatest onboarding process. You can lose those people. Okay, so you bring up a very good point that I think we need to take a second to discuss because this carries over not just to senior dining, but to really any big bureaucratic kind of organization, whether that is a hospital, a hotel, a multi-unit, whatever it could be. A lot of times if there is a corporate office or an HR department or something, we make it so complicated. I mean, so complicated to hire people. The challenge is, it's one thing, especially in, in like healthcare, if you're hiring a doctor, it's a much different process than hiring a food service worker or an environmental service or, or housekeeping kind of employee. Um, it's just a totally different process. The doctor, chances are, can probably wait for a month without a paycheck. Food service people, I mean, we live paycheck to paycheck, and we, we don't have time to wait for 30 days to be onboarded or you know, to wait for the next employee orientation or all the different things that I see out there happening is that we are absolutely hurting ourselves by having these long ongoing onboarding processes. I understand the reasoning behind it most of the time. I understand the arguments for wanting to be thorough and wanting to make sure that you do your due diligence and make sure that there's background checks, et cetera, et cetera. But holy smokes, like we we get good people and then we can't even get them through the door on the first day because they can't wait that long for a job. There's got to be a more streamlined, simpler process for that. And And I think that you make a good point there that it's great to have all the talent or desire or ability in the world, but then to be handicapped by a <laughs> by a, a process of just getting through the door is just ridiculous. So, I mean, we really, I wish there was something more that we could do about that, but unfortunately it's, it's, we're kind of stuck with what we are, but as long as people understand that the more we raise our hand and say, this isn't right, we need to redo this. We need to look at this and not just say, well, it is what it is. And that, and that's kind of with anything else, the, the more that we can improve something, the process, the whatever, the better it's going to be for everyone in the industry because HR departments love to benchmark. They love to look at what everyone else is doing. They love to look at 
what everyone else in town is paying and, you know, to really establish their baseline and establish the, the standard. So anyway, little soapbox rant there for you. But I do think it's important. I think that we have to acknowledge that we are a different breed and the onboarding process and the training and things needs to be a little bit different for uh, food service people. So anyway, with that said, let's jump into a question that I ask just about everybody that I think you'll have some great insights into. What do you tell the rising culinary generation or what do you tell people who want to improve their career? What can they do to really stand out, to really make a mark, to really be able to get the jobs that they want and uh, careers they desire? Well, to stand out and to hone skills, and if you're hungry, it, it all depends on yourself and what you do to professionally develop yourself. Take advantage of any trainings that are, that are out there possible. The only person that has control of their destiny is themselves. I was lucky in my career. I had support from people that always wanted to invest in me, and they knew because I was hungry to learn. I was hungry to grow professionally and personally. And it's not always just professionally. You have to grow personally, too. And it's learning how to be humble, have a little humility, because you don't know everything. You know, in the food service world, uh, being a chef, being a culinarian, uh, being a director, however you want to look at it, we speak a totally different language. It's so important to have that education. It's so important to just continually to learn and develop yourself. That's the one advice I give to everyone. Booyah. How do you like that? Good advice from a good man. Well, Harris, you've been awesome. You've, you've given us a lot to think about today, uh, a lot to ponder on. And if people want to learn more about you and what you're doing in the Senior Dining Association, what is the best way to do that? You can go to our website, uh, seniordining.org. Very simple. It's seniordining.org. You can call our office. Our office number is 980-339-7280. Again, that number is 980-339-7280. And if you go online to our website, my contact information is there. You're more than welcome to drop us a line and ask a question. But I do consider, I would do give advice. Please consider a career in senior dining. You will not regret it. There you go, people. Looking for a new job? Looking for a new segment of the industry? Want to learn something different? Senior dining might be the way to go. You never know until you try it. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.